0: You're listening to the Writers Off The Page podcast. Here's your host, writer, reader, journalist and lover of soy latte, Shanae Maripodi.
1: Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me for Writers Off the Page, where we chat books, writing, and publishing with those in the know. Today is another Publishing 101 episode, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Elena Gagoulas from Text Publishing. Elena's a senior editor and has worked with Text since 2009. She's edited books by Jennifer Down, Gail Jones, Eleanor Savage, and Davina Bell, amongst others. And her international acquisitions include works by Janet Malcolm, Eula Biss, Lucy Ellman, Ling Ma and Tanahisi Coates. I hope I've said that one correctly. Elena Gagulis, welcome to Writers Off The Page. Thanks so much for having me, Sinead. Please tell me that I said that last name correctly. I hate to do an author injustice. (laughs) Tanahisi Coates. Beautiful. Um, Thank you so much for joining me. I always like to ask people when they do start, obviously we're here to talk the nitty gritty about publishing and submissions and that sort of thing, but i like to get to know you a little bit. So how did you get your start in publishing?
0: Uh, Well, I um, took the path of, of many... You know, teenagers who are good at the humanities and um did arts law at, at UWA actually. Um
1: oh, you are a WA i I'm a WA
0: girl, yeah. Ah. <laughs> I've been in um Melbourne for some um fifteen years, perhaps more. I haven't I've lost count. count. Um we'll still claim you. But <laughs> I start I started that um and uh didn't get too far. Um but, you know, it was you know, not really sure of the other options available to me. But um then I uh, started hearing about this idea of, you know, actually being able to work in books. I worked at um at bookshops in Perth um and had always loved books, obviously. Um it hadn't really occurred to me that it could be a career path. Uh, but when I had heard that um, some courses existed um, at universities over East, I um Moved to Melbourne and um, studied at the at RMIT in their publishing and editing course. Um, also while working in bookshops, and then started at Text in an internship. Um, it was funded by the Australia Council and Emerging Producers Creative Producers um, mentorship, and I've been there ever since. I started in in a, a role in rights originally, and working um, on that side of things, and then slowly moved across into editorial, which is where I had always wanted to be anyway.
1: Given you have been with text for so long, I assume it's a pretty good team. How big is the team? We're around uh twenty people so far. Um or at the moment rather. It's um yeah, we're a we're a mid-sized independent company. So you're a senior editor. What's I suppose an average day or an average week for you? What sort of things are you dealing with?
0: Yeah, well, um look, it's emails. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the vast majority the of it is emails. Yeah. Um,
0: but uh, within and meetings Um, so familiar to a lot of people I'm sure Uh, but there's um, a a variety of things so usually I'm either working on got lots of books on the go at once there's there'll usually be at least one book that I'm um, in the process of of actually editing um, whether that's structural editing or copy editing or proofreading Um, at the same time I'll be uh, putting Um, other books to print. I'll be working on the copy for the books that are on my forward list. So things like putting together blurbs and bios, I'll be sourcing, um, uh, what we call puffs from other authors, which is when they, they read and provide praise for the cover. Um, I will be communicating with the other, um, people in the various departments, marketing and sales and publicity to work out coordinating plans and for the promotion of the books that are coming up. Um, and then, of course, I'll be um, fielding uh, submissions from from agents um, and uh, both here and overseas, as well as um, well. The reading is is not really part of the workday. That's that's after hours.
1: That's what I'm hearing from everyone. And now I've heard that for a while now. But I think for a lot of aspiring writers starting out, they are probably imagining publishers and editors are sitting there just reading all day. But is that really something that you're doing? After hours, just when you can in the gaps.
0: Yeah, yeah, truly, it's not. Um, you know, I was deeply disappointed. When I discovered that myself. Let me tell you, but um, <laughs> no, it's um, uh, it's certainly something that you make time for outside of work. I mean, if you're lucky, you might be able to. You know, if you've got a uh, unproductive twenty minutes that you can um, spend between meetings of of reading, you might be able to manage that in the day. But usually, it's it's evening work or weekends. Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like it really puts the pressure on the submission to be exceptionally good because if you are reading it in your free time if you're tired at the end of the day and picking up a manuscript that you're not already signed into that that's got to get you across the line well it's got to be really good to warrant that time that that you're putting into it well I guess it's a good test isn't it if it can keep me awake when when every other part of my body is yearning to go to sleep um then it's time to buy it I once heard a story. I think it was an agent who said that they only read submissions when they were in a particularly bad mood. Because if the submission was good enough to get them out of that mood, then it was good enough to to sign on. And I thought, God, that that's the ultimate test.
0: Yeah, uh, it's a pretty good measure, but it's not. It's not very fair to. Um... To authors, it's a pretty high bar to clear, I reckon.
1: <laughs> so text says obviously, we've seen many posts around lately, but at the time that our interview is released, the text prize will have just recently closed for submissions, which is exciting. Maybe not for the text team who now have an abundance of reading um, submissions to go through. But how many submissions to the text prize do you usually get each year? Look, we get about, uh, I think it's around 300.
0: It might have dropped off a little bit in the last couple of years because there are so many more prizes
1: available now. Um, but, yeah, ballpark 300. And I should just clarify for people, if you haven't heard of the text prize, it's middle grade and young adult. Um, oh, that's that's right. what it's open to.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah. It's for, for younger readers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that will, we have a minimum word count of, I think, about 25,000 words. So that would, would put you at about the middle grade and up, um, yeah, area.
1: What happens at this stage once submissions do close? Is it an all hands on deck to try and get through the pile or is there an allocated team that's going through it? It's everyone. Um, Like all of our um, submissions, the the general submissions, that is
0: the what we call the slush pile, which I'm sure your um, <laughs> listeners are familiar with as a term, um, which sounds, um, you know, not particularly flattering, but um, you should rest assured that at takes at least we certainly take it very seriously. Um, and we have our submissions open all the time. But um, for the um, uh, the text prize as well as the submissions generally, we um, we all read. So there's one person managing all of the um, the administration, and um, as they come in, they are allocated. So we get each round of reading, we get a couple of manuscripts to read off you, depending on how many um, there have come in and um, how many of us are on hand. Um, and we read them. We give them a score out of five, and we write a brief report for each one. And then um, the ones that make it to the next round get assigned to a different reader who writes their own report and then they'll either get knocked out again or or go to the third round, um, at which point we're kind of talking long list, potentially short list, potentially and ideally we have one person who's jumping up and down to say I have the winner in my hand, this one's got to be it. Um, but there are some pretty robust discussions um, at that point as well.
1: Wow, and it is quite common for authors who get shortlisted to get published as well, isn't it? It has been in the past, yeah. Um, we have, I think,
0: we had one year where we published maybe even three from the the shortlist. So um, that was a that was a bumper crop of a year. Um, I think that hasn't happened for the last year or two, but it's certainly is something that um, is uh, is a possibility. And even if it's not with us, um, I know some other people have have gone on to parlay that into um, representation from an agent or a deal at another house as
1: well. How many books does Text publish each year across across the lists? Uh, I think Even we're roughly. At,
0: yeah, somewhere in the in the vicinity of sixty to eighty books every year. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's down huge. From, from <laughs> used to be a hundred a few years ago. So, um, if you see these bags
1: under my eyes, they're <laughs> diminished than they were. Just but, while um, we're talking about the Text Prize, you did mention um, earlier that Text unlike a lot of publishers, is actually open to submissions, unsolicited submissions, all year round. Mm -hmm. So how, I guess, when authors are weighing it up between either submitting their middle grade or YA manuscript to the text prize or submitting directly to text, what should they be factoring in? um i would i would say if
0: you are a writer of middle grade or ya um you should absolutely be entering your work into the text prize i think that 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 offers you not only the um the kind of uh, well defined time frame because um you know, we try to say with submissions generally that we'll get back to you in three to six months. The reality of that is that it can be longer than that, a lot longer sometimes, if we have a big backlog. Um, whereas the advantage of the text prize is that you know that if you haven't heard by the time the the shortlist is announced, then you haven't made it through. So, and also you can be assured that your work has been read. And so, if it hasn't made it through, that's effectively a submission, you know, otherwise mm-hmm. if we were if we were interested in it, we would have contacted you. So you've kind of um you've got that certainty there. Uh you also have the prospect of a ten thousand dollar contract, which may well be more than you would uh get from um, otherwise coming through the slash pile. So um, I, I would say that if that's the category you're writing in, definitely the text prize, even though it only comes once a year, I think you, for the certainty it gets you and the, and the prospect at the end, which is both the contract and actually all the, the marketing and everything that surrounds it as well because it usually gets comes out with a bit of fanfare, um, I, would, I would be suggesting you keep an eye out for those submission dates.
1: So if someone isn't shortlisted in the text prize, they can assume that's a no, it's not worth resubmitting via the slush pile? Yeah, I think if you're if you've if you've
0: not heard from us uh, from that process, just I'd take that as a sadly as a rejection, and um, and which doesn't mean that you can't try again with another manuscript um, by any means, but that's that's probably the end of the road at text with that with that particular manuscript.
1: Now I'm being particularly mean by by making you talk about the text prize so much because despite Davina Bell being in your list, middle grade and YA is not really what you're working on most of the time, so. What is, I suppose, your general list? Um,
0: my list is um, tends to the literary. That's certainly the area that I am um, most interested in. I have in more recent times branched into um, the uh, crime and psych- psychological thrillers. Um, I'm particularly interested in reading voices from um, uh, stories by women or stories that, that centre um, women protagonists, um, particularly ones that don't frame them as uh, victims. <laughs> um so, but look, I read very broadly, as do all of us at text. we don't tend to have, you know, we don't have someone who is a specialist only uh in children's or a specialist only in nonfiction. I've published nonfiction, I've published fiction. Um I've published Davina Bell, as you say, who was actually um that was through the text prize that she oh, wow. um, came to our attention. She was um not the winner that year, but only because it was an extremely strong group. And she submitted um under a pseudonym, which is not usual, but obviously she was already a well-known uh name in um uh children's publishing. Um but she submitted this under a pseudonym. And I read this manuscript and I thought there's there's no way that this person who is this imagined name, who has no publishing credits to their to their imagined name, um, that can't be the case. And so I, I thought this this smells a bit funky to me. And um then of course, turns out it was it was a um a published author of longstanding. So um that was a, a fun surprise when we discovered that.
1: Wow, was that just because she wanted her look to be her sorry, her submission to be looked at separate to her other works, or did she ever say what the reason was? Yeah, look, it was a
0: it was a very much a departure from from um the work that she's most known for. It was um, you know, it's YA, obviously it's for an older readership. It's um uh, it's very dark, it's very literary, it's uh, just, oh it's a truly terrific book. If you haven't read it, um seek it out. Uh not just not just for for teens, for um for any reader of any age. Um it's a it's a wonderful book. Um but I think it is it is very different, and I think she was um, uh, just you know tentative about um, of uh, wading into into this particular area of publishing that she didn't um, work in before, and so I mean yeah she hadn't she hadn't published in before, so I think that um, yeah it was probably just a way of <laughs> um, of security really.
1: Talking you specifically with submissions rather than your team as a whole, if you're reading a manuscript. How much do you find you usually have to read before you've got an idea of whether the manuscript has potential or not? By this stage, I can I can get a sense of potential pretty early on.
0: Um, you know I can I can I can tell within about 10 pages whether it's something I want to keep reading, which doesn't mean that I stop at 10 pages if it's not something that's immediately grabbed me. but um, it's probably it's rather than saying I will stop reading at 10 pages, it's more like within 10 pages if I've got something live, then I know I've got something live and I'm, I'm, I'm digging in and clearing my schedule. <laughs> um, so um, it's, it's and, you know, this is not particularly helpful advice, but this is what um, I suppose writers hear all the time. It's the, it's the X factor. It's the ineffable, isn't it? It's something that is it is so hard to, to quantify in any meaningful sense. Um, it's just a you know it if you see it.
1: Is there a common pitfall that authors tend to make with manuscripts, particularly if we have a lot of aspiring writers who listen to the podcast, mm-hmm. particularly if it is a first manuscript that they're sending out, is there something common that you're seeing that you can tell it's a new writer?
0: Um, I think that the um, the synopsis in this case is, and the cover letter, even though those things are not by any means how we are going to judge a work, um, it certainly tells me a lot. It tells me more than what is said on the page. I think so. I can tell, um, just from certain um, terms of phrase, perhaps, always ways of expressing oneself, whether that person has has um, a lot of experience. For example, if someone writes a letter or address to "Dear Sirs." Um, I know that this person is not particularly familiar with the fact that publishing is something like 80% female and so um, you're going to (laughs) not be meeting a receptive audience with that particular address Um, if someone refers to their fiction novel, um, you know, if someone seems to be unclear about the category of writing that they're in, if someone tells me, and this is one of my most hated things, that what they have written is truly and utterly unique and there could not be a single other book out there in the world that they've ever read that they could compare their book to because all that tells me is that you haven't read widely enough because I can guarantee you at least on some measure whether it's a superficial one or something deeper there is
1: another book that can compare and that's what we want it to be it's and I I want to stress that because I do remember that years back when I first started exploring the idea of writing and submitting and I saw that publishers asked for um comp text I thought for a moment I was like oh but I almost don't want to say if there's a book that's similar because then I'm saying that, well, my book doesn't need to be published because there's something out there that's already similar. Mm-hmm. Explain why that isn't, isn't the case. <laughs> well, you know, it's publishing is a business and
0: um, it's a conservative business, <laughs> um, which might be surprising given, you know, the reputation for, for cutting edge arts and, and literature that we all love. And, um, but it's, you know, a lot of the decisions that are made are made on uh, market realities. So if we can say there is a book that has been commercially successful, that is similar to yours, and that's a boon for you, because it means that there exists a market for it. So, um, you know, there was, and there'll always be, um, you know, trends that you see or particular correls that um, come up all the time. So, um you know now if you're a um a woman who is writing a a story about um being young and uh, not knowing your place in the world and perhaps there's a lot of dialogue and relationships then you're inevitably going to be compared to Sally Rooney so um there's which is it sounds it sounds boring it sounds dull but that is the the framework that exists, and if if something can be said to fit within that framework, then all of the people along the chain, whether that's publishers, booksellers, uh, marketing and promotions, they can all fit it into a particular category, and they know that they can promote it to the readers as fitting into that category. You know, it's and it it works. I mean, if you you know, the things that you like, whether that's a movie or a movies or music or books. There are your favourites, and if you hear something is like one of your favourites, you're probably more likely to seek it out. So it's a. I don't think it's something that uh, needs to diminish people. I think certainly it can. It can be. You know, the Sally Rooney comparison is is tired at this point, um, but I think it can be. It can be helpful to put the the book into those categories, and it's helpful to show a publisher that you're aware of what's out there, um, and you're aware of where your book fits in to that uh, to that market
1: two questions when you are receiving comp titles do you want to know more whether it has a similar voice a similar tone to another book or similar themes or that sort of surrounding and the other one just so I don't forget this question you mentioned obviously Sally Rooney do authors have to be careful about who they pick as their comp in terms of shooting too high I suppose um
0: i think that
1: uh yeah well to to address your first
0: question about where what you're comparing it to i think it can be it can be either i think that um you know you can say that um if your if your book is a um uh, you know a campus novel you might compare it to diana reed you might compare it um to uh oh Oh, i'm just going to blank on her name anyway <laughs> <laughs> um but it might be that you know um tonally it's also uh it's more like a tessimoshfeg or something like that um you can use two comparisons there's not there's nothing that precludes you from doing that you know the x meets y um line is is um uh, you know tried and tested for a reason um what it you know i and i think that you, it's not you know sometimes it does it you, you can get into a trap and it can be very it would be very obvious as well if you're making comparisons to just the the um the five books that have been the most popular um in the last 5 years it's not um if you tell me you know your book is exactly like um Colin Hoover's and Sally Rooney's and Bluey, then I'm probably going to start to. Oh, and the book *Barefoot Investor*. I might start to think um, this is an interesting <laughs> sounding book. <laughs> you might have just glanced at the best selling list in the the paper on the weekend and thought that'll that'll do it. Um, the more important thing is to is to see is for us to see that you have an awareness and an understanding of what your book is um, and who it will appeal to.
1: So with that in mind then, does it have to do have to be a little bit strategic with it then and think of what's a comp title that has done well in the market, not just something that actually is has similar tones to your book, but something that's been out there and has done well so that it's uh, well if I'm saying it's like this, it means mine's gonna go go mm-hmm. well too. Yeah, well look, I mean, I it's you want
0: both. I don't you don't want to say that your book is something that it's not. Um you know, I think it's as much about um, where your book fits because you know, also we're, we're professionals. We'll be we we all do this every day, so we can we'll be able to to position your book for you too. You know, it's not it's not about leaving it all up to you, and um, we'll be able to know whether you're what your um your comparisons, whether they're, they're relevant or not. But what what I think it tells me as well is that you are reading, you're reading widely, uh, but you're reading in the area in which you want to publish because I think that's very important. I mean, the number of times I've gone to pitching sessions where people, I ask them, well, you know, what, what do you read? What what did you read that, um, you know, that influenced you? And I think people are afraid to, again, because of the, you know, the, the desire to seem... Utterly and totally unique. They want to um, say, "Well, I don't. I'm not not influenced by anyone. I've, you know, my my books come out of nowhere." And um, again, it, that doesn't tell me that you're you're once in a generation genius. It tells me that you haven't put in the work.
1: So, what do you think makes a text author? Uh, well, I would say that is someone who
0: is committed to their craft and they are committed to the idea of building a career. Um because we like to, you know, we we um are a little bit unusual as a publishing company. We do all of our editorial in-house. Um so your editor is um and your editor is is your editor from the from the start through, ideally. <laughs> um so is that
1: not a common thing with some of the answers?
0: No, I think that some houses do um, will do a distinction between, um, you know, the the acquiring editor or the the acquiring publisher um, might um, not have much to do with the the work on the page, or they might only have very minimal input at the beginning, and that will then pass to a to another editor to to do a um, structural edit or a, a line edit. Um, whereas we usually, your acquiring editor of text is the person who is giving you those initial um, notes and is then going to be copy editing and is then going to be proofreading and is then going to take see you through from acquisition to print. So you're going to have a very close relationship with that person. You're going to have a close relationship with the other people on the team. Um, it's something that. Um, if you are unsure of the process, if you um, really are committed to the idea of becoming the best writer you can, and you want to have a long-term career and you want to um, have that support, um, then I think that that text is a good place for you. Um, that said, you know we publish we publish a really wide range of books, so there's there's not um, you know no one is precluded from from the text church. Um, so I just think it's, it's something that, you know, because we're a smaller team, we're a, a bespoke team um, and you'll, you'll get um, a personal and individualised response.
1: When you are trying to get a manuscript across the line at an acquisitions meeting or whatever it might be, how much do you take into account an author's profile and the brand that they've built?
0: Uh, well, I suppose it depends on the book, but generally it's certainly going to be seen as advantageous if you have a big profile. Um, if you are a, writing a nonfiction book in which you are um, holding yourself up as the expert in a particular field, then um, it's certainly useful if you have a, an established audience that that sees you as such. Um, but, you know, the the inverse is not True. If you if you are not on Twitter at all, if you don't have any kind of profile, um, that doesn't mean that you're not going to get published. You know, it's it's ultimately comes down to the work, Um,
1: but it can be it can be helpful to have that existing profile for sure. Is it just the understanding? I've heard a couple of people say that even if you don't have the biggest social media following just that willingness to put yourself out there a little bit, particularly, I guess, when it comes to the marketing side of things that you know that the author coming on board is going to assist to some degree with that?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think you certainly have to be um, open to um, promotion, self-promotion. Um, I think that what I think is the most helpful thing about having a profile on social media is is the community that it fosters. I think that it's a really supportive community of um, of writers um on on Twitter and in other forums. And I think that um they tend to lift each other up. Um and so there's a lot um of of things outside of of you know selling a a book that can be helpful to a writer as well. So I think that um you know i would say don't don't force yourself to do it because it's going to come across that you're forcing yourself to do it and it would be it's better to have no profile than a profile that is you know very clearly um uncomfortable um and and unhappy <laughs> um you know you can find other ways to to promote if you're you might be um you know really uh pressing the flesh kind of author. You go to your local bookshop all the time. You like going around. You like having chats with your local booksellers. Um, That's great too. Um, I think that so long as you're prepared that there is going to be promotional work out there, um, you can always have a chat with your your publicist and the marketing and sales team about the best um, ways in which you can be involved in that
1: what trends are we seeing this year is there anything exciting that or anything that's really exciting you that's coming out
0: um as as far as trends go i don't um i don't tend to pay too much attention to them because of the the nature of publishing timelines the um uh by the time you've jumped on a trend um it may well have passed um you know there was a huge trend um uh, of you know, I say a few years ago it was probably about 10 years ago now with for like paranormal romance around the kind of Twilight era um and I know that a lot of um books were were acquired in that area and then by the time it came to publish them some 18 months later then the it was not a, you don't a really get much anymore. vampire romance anymore <laughs> oh look that's it yeah look it's probably it's I, mean, I don't know if it's the worst <laughs> thing but <laughs> It's a perennial, but yeah, it you know, they they come in and out of, of style. Um so uh, you know, I think I think that um the more important thing is writing the book that, that you have to write. I mean, that's that's what it you can't really fake it, I think. Um uh you know, if you're not if you're not especially if you're not writing in a in a particular genre to to particular parameters of a genre, um, there's no point in trying to chase the the hot thing because, um, one, you, you're not guaranteed that you're going to catch it, and um, two, it's gonna, you know, inauthenticity is pretty apparent, it's um, it's hard to sustain, um, as something that you're not, yeah. And why would you bother? I mean, there's no. <laughs> it's a <lot> of <laughs> The chances of a of a massive payday in in, you know, by being a, a writer are so minimal. You'd be better off, honestly, just trying to, I don't know, learn how to gain the
1: stock market or something. It's just not the so you're <laughs> trying to, to strike gold. Is, um, listeners should not expect to get rich with their manuscript.
0: Um, look, I would love it if that were the case. We would all <laughs> love it if that were the case, but you can't ignore the the reality, which is that I think that the average um Income of of a writer in Australia is something around twelve thousand dollars a year. That's the money made from from their writing, and you know that that takes into account people like Leanne Moriarty and you know the the massive massive international blockbuster bestsellers. Um, you know, there's plenty of people who are um, uh, <laughs> earning a lot a lot less than twelve thousand dollars. So, you know, it's um, if if you're writing and most people are writing because they are compelled to write, that that's they have to write, um, then why you would not be true to yourself in, in writing, I, I don't understand. But, you know, um, I wish authors did get paid more. I think that everyone should, should be able to support themselves from their art, but unfortunately that's not the reality we live in.
1: While we're talking about harsh realities, um, it is said a lot, but just in case people don't know, there is a pace of publishing that is renowned for not being overly fast Mm -hmm. what's the time frame like from i suppose an author signing a contract just talking in general terms obviously every book is different but signing a contract to book on the shelf standard turnaround um with say a year to 18 months
0: um which sounds like such a long time but factor in that the time to- that there's there's three months at the end of that that is from the the time you press print to when the book is available in a shop, and that can- factors in the the time it takes to print the books, the time it takes to to sort to ship them over to the warehouse, the time it takes them to ship out of the warehouse into the individual bookshops. That's about three months. So you're already down to nine months. In that time, um, you know, you add it, take away six weeks in the end of that, which is proofreading and general, you know, putting together things. So let's say two months to be generous. So that's um we're now down to what's that, seven months. Um, so in that seven months, you're you're ideally having um probably at least two rounds of of editorial work. Um, and that's you know, leaving it to the the editor to to do the work and then back to you to do the work and then back to the editor to do the work, back to you to do the work. So, you know, what seems like um, a long time is suddenly um quite a compressed time. So um yeah, I think that that we have a kind of skewed <laughs> idea of of um of time uh working in the industry this long. But um that said, you know, we have um there's been much much shorter timelines you know I um I've certainly published books within um, six months of acquisition um we, uh, I don't I don't want to do that too often because
1: <laughs> that's, that's a lot <laughs> <it's really> hard
0: <laughs> it's very hard um there's no time um but you know sometimes uh, there are factors outside your control if it's a very timely book and you have to to try to get it out as soon as possible or otherwise the the moment will have passed so
1: I think it's Um, always that thing where you're right. Once you're in there and you're on the train towards getting your book published, it does go surprisingly fast because you are caught up in edits and all of that side of things. I think who it seems really slow for is the family and friends who keep asking about it and wondering whether the book actually ever exists, and that's where (laughs) it makes things feel very slow. (laughs) For sure. Well, they can always pre-order. Pre-orders are great. Pre-orders <laughs> are good for business, for everyone. So what's your biggest tip for aspiring authors who really do want to get published?
0: I say read, read as widely, read as as, um, as much as you can for your own craft sake, for the sake of knowing how to prom- pitch and promote your own work um for the sake of knowing who exists in the uh in the infrastructure who you want to be talking to, you know, go to the acknowledgement sections of the books that you love that you think your book is going to be like and see who they talk about, who who is the publisher, who are the editors there, um, who are the where what are the 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 um where are the places where they have found support? You know, have they got grants? Where can you apply for those grants? Have they gone to residencies? Can you go to those residencies? Um pay attention to to that kind of thing. So
1: I think that's my that's my number one. And the hot question, what are you looking for at the moment? Uh I
0: don't really like to be constrained by um, you know, particular genres. Um I can tell you that I'm not particularly um at the moment, reading for for younger readers. Um, I'm looking for for adult books, um, fiction, nonfiction, um, literary, but also um, things in the kind of commercial, um, crime, psychological thriller area. Um, the number one thing I'm looking for is is voice and quality. And you know, if that is um, that you have written a really um, outstanding um, uh, rural crime um, police procedural um, or a um, you know very heartfelt um, essay about your um, you know experiences um, overseas or whatever it happens to be um, it's the subject is less interesting to me than than the the skill and quality of the author.
1: Elena Gugulis thank you so much for giving us a window into text publishing. Sinead thank you. And thank you for listening to the Writers Off The Page podcast. Make sure you check out the back catalogue and while you're there, I'd love it if you left a rating or a view. It helps other people discover the podcast. If there's an author you want me to chat to or you just want to say hi, hit me up on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter at Shanae Maripodi. That's C-H-E-N-E-E. Thanks for listening. Bye.